Hey, everybody, it's Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, how and why was Josh Allen the most effective deep ball passer in the league last year? And can we expect more of the same in 2022? Steve tries his hand at receiving average leaders in the numbers game, and we ask our one burning question. Let's chuck it down the field. All right, glad you could join us here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills insider Chris Brown and Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker with you. We come out of the blocks with an interesting table of metrics that measures the deep ball passing effectiveness of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. NFL.com's Nick Shook, who will join us a bit later, put together a top 10 list of best deep ball passers from 2021 using metrics like expected completion percentage, and completion percentage over expected. Josh Allen ranked tops in the league. Did you expect Josh to be the best in the league at deep ball passing? I did not. You did I not? Okay. I did not. I thought he'd be high. Yeah. Uh, tops in the league? No. And, and <clears throat> everybody's doing these lists now. Yeah. To me, when they use parameters, it's not really a top 10 list. It's a ranking. Yeah. And... Well, these are hard and fast yes, numbers exactly. that spell out who the top ten are. Exactly. I was, I'm, I'm a little shocked yeah. at Josh because last year we saw him, I thought, he's, he's grown so much every year. Right. Last year I think we finally saw him take a step in uh, – we know that he worked on his long ball last year. He wanted to get, you know, be able to hit the long ball because yeah. his first year that was really the big play. He hit some long balls and we thought, wow. And then yeah. his second year, not so much. Right, his percent, his completion right. percentage was down like twenty six percent. Right, on passes over twenty um, yards or more. And then this last year, we saw him really grasp and become a full fledged, fully developed QB one. I mean, the guy was making all the throws. Right. Uh, so I guess it's from the year before, no doubt he was more efficient. But it really seemed like that first year is the year he was, you know, hitting it really good. Um, so I, yes, to be tops in the league for long ball percentage yeah I, I was a little surprised well, I knew he'd be good but yeah. man oh man you've said this before Josh goes into the lab in the offseason with a list of what he wants to improve on he inevitably comes back the next year he is demonstrably better in that very area it's almost seemed and this is why when we've had his quarterback offseason coach Jordan Palmer on the show he's like the guy has no ceiling because he has rare physical gifts where if he applies those rare physical gifts to the nuances and finer points of throwing mechanics, aspects of the game, inevitably he's going to be better. So if he just picks and chooses something each and every year and he gets better at that, sooner or later the guy's going to be a complete quarterback, uh, and we've witnessed that. The thing that has set Josh apart, um, well, a couple of things. It's never just one thing because uh, you don't yeah. get to be as good as he is and like Rodgers and Brady and all those guys that were in the match last mm -hmm. night. You don't get to be that good unless you bring a, a a bunch of stuff to the table. One of the things Josh doesn't get enough credit for is his intelligence. Yeah. The guy's really sharp, really sharp. And and he doesn't get that intelligence. He doesn't get that uh, credit, I think, a lot in large part where he came from. You see a guy who is scattershot as a collegian, kind of all over the place. You see the sugar high Josh of early in his career, and you tend to equate that with a lack of something on the ball. Doesn't know what he's looking at. Well, what it is, and and I and there's some of that for some players, perhaps, but for Josh, I think that was, uh, you know, a result of different 
thing, not his lack of intelligence. I think it was his desire to make something happen and yeah, his lack of experience yeah. of to know what he was looking at. And when those things changed, you know, obviously his physical tools could shine. I think also his intelligence is overshadowed by his rare physical ability. People can right. see that. It's readily, it's like, wow, he just, he threw it that far or whatever, you know what I mean? And people just dismiss, you know, the on-field football IQ and intelligence well, and decision-making, and he's got those things. Yeah. So it's, that's where it is. Yeah, it's, his physical gifts are, are what they are, no question. But th I think they overshadow his mental part of the game because they're so right up in front of your right. face. But you People forget, this guy's pretty sharp tag. You said it at the beginning. I've never seen a player, particularly early in his career, when he had so far to grow yeah. you know, to get to the point where he is now, I've never seen a player tangibly, week by week, look better and better and better. Just from, from a casual, like, I, I don't, I'm not just saying this yeah. stereotype. I'm, soccer moms could tell the difference in the way he played. You didn't have to be a football guy to say, wow, he's playing better this week than he did right. last week. And then three weeks later, it's like, wow, he's, he's getting better now than he was two weeks. It was unbelievable the, the leaps and bounds he made by eliminating mistakes and then being able to make big plays on top of that. Diving into the numbers, which is what we do here on Bills by the Numbers, Allen threw four deep touchdown passes from outside the tackle box, which was tied for the league lead with Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. According to Next Gen Stats, he completed just over 52% of deep passes on dropbacks that lasted four or more seconds for a league high 427 yards, a 5 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, and a 119 passer rating. The eye popping number was he completed over 22% more of these kinds of pass attempts than expected and had the highest passer rating in that category. What do you make of his efficiency, Steve, on what is normally a low efficiency play? Um, you can say, well, he's got a great arm. No, I, I think it's his athleticism in extending plays. And he's neck deep in guys who know him really well. And when you're out on the football field and, and you're out running around and, and it all looks helter-skelter and a play breaks down, his ability to know where Steph Diggs is going to be, where Gabe Davis is going to be, where Cole Beasley was going to be last year, Isaiah McKenzie, he knew those guys so well because of their time together and his athleticism to extend a play and have some time to throw it. Well, those are the keys to me. It's the continuity that he had in his offense, even on these plays that break down. The continuity they have because of the knowledge and relationships he has with all of the guys, or a deeper number of the guys in his team, mm -hmm. and his physical abilities to keep the play going, I think are as much a, a part of it as his arm is. I agree. His physical abilities help him make it a high-efficiency play. But, I, again, I think we should not underestimate his football IQ in that equation, too. He's learned how to take calculated risks rather than reckless ones, I think, over the last couple of well, years. Now, that's not to say there aren't times where he implicitly trusts his receiving targets on occasion to a fault, but more often than not, because of the relationship and the bonds that he has built with his teammates who have been here with him, he trusts them implicitly and gives them the opportunity to make that play a success. I'll give you an example, exactly what you're saying. Here's the thing, his physical abilities – make calculated risks a very wide margin. The touchdown pass he had to uh, Stephon Diggs in the Miami game, think about it. He's rolling, rolls out to his right. Steph Diggs falls down 
in the end zone, gets up, Josh throws it across his body to the middle of the the absolute worst no-no you can ever do as a quarterback. Yeah, he's on the right sideline throwing to the throwing goal to post. to the left, to the goal post, right across the middle, right lobbing it right in the middle of the defense. Touchdown. There's like maybe been a handful of quarterbacks in the history of the league that would can make that throw. There's been a ton of guys who tried it, and it's all going <laughs> the other way. But because Josh has these gifts that we've been yeah. talking about, his calculated risk goes way deeper into risk than yeah. most quarterbacks are able to go. Now, the more important question going forward is, do we expect Allen's success in buying time and extending plays to continue with the same degree of efficiency under new coordinator Ken Dorsey. Some believe Buffalo skill position players are even more talented than last season and will provide more early release options for Allen because of their separation ability. So the question here now is, Steve, is the deep ball passing acumen and efficiency stay where it is or does it drop down a little because he's got more talented players who can get open sooner and maybe not as far down the field? Yeah, basically... Is he going to get rid of the ball on time more often this year than he did, has in years past? Instead of running around and extending plays. And there's a lot of unknowns in that. It's a good question because we don't know what Ken Dorsey's going to ask him to do, what it's going to look like, how it's going to be different, all of that stuff. But we know this, given our history with Josh and watching him as closely as we all do, he's going to get better, which means he's going to know where to go with the football a little bit quicker. And if his receivers are more talented as they appear to be on paper there should be windows to throw it to on time you know picture what it's like when you try and play tom brady you know those kind of guys just get rid of the ball ryan Tannehill, balls out you know all these guys the ball just comes out Tua, the ball's got to get out um so it will be more of that for Josh in this offense because his receivers are better and he's better and can you know there's going to be options right away, maybe yeah I think it's a good it's a good question I don't know yeah we we have heard Allen wanted to throw more players open going into this season as we have said many times here on Bills by the Numbers Josh is the kind of quarterback that'll just put it on the receiver not necessarily lead a receiver into space which you know, people refer to as throwing a player open. He wants to work on that, and we know when he works on something, he's usually better at it the next year. But this receiving core appears to be stronger in getting yards after the catch, with Crowder likely superior to Beasley in yards after the catch and James Cook unquestionably a dangerous yards after the catch receiver out of the backfield. And what can Gabe Davis do with a full-time role as a starter? That hasn't happened yet in his career. It figures to happen this year. So while I don't think big plays necessarily go away, Steve, much like we saw from Patrick Mahomes last season, Josh could become a higher efficiency passer this year because of the separation ability across the board of his skill players. Right. Finally, the quarterbacks who did not make the top 10 in deep passing production that might surprise you, Steve, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady. Surprised by any of those? You know, what surprised me is Joe Burrow. Yeah, that was the one that got me too. Um, I guess maybe because Joe Burrow got sacked a lot, and you know he didn't have time to wait for the plays That's to develop, true. and they didn't go. And but he's he got had, a lot of catch and run guys too, because Chase is a catch and run guy. Tyler Boyd in the slots, but a those catch guys and run can. Guy. Those guys, he's got a great trio of receivers, oh and gosh. you would think that they Some would, would argue the best. Because here's the thing: 
Well, and I guess that's true. The, the parameters are where the ball lands. You got to throw the ball deep. But this is not like you don't get credit yeah, for a sixty-five yard touchdown when you throw it five yards. Yeah, not these, under these, these metrics are these metrics for are twenty asking. more twenty right. or more air yards. So. Yeah, that makes some sense now that I think about it with Joe Burrow, but that did surprise me a little yeah. bit that he was Brady. No, the Brady, the ball's at two and a half seconds and the ball's gone. Yeah, uh, and Cousins, yeah, he's forever mediocre. <laughs> um, well, his record says that he's fifty nine, right. fifty nine and two, I think, right. in his career as a starter. Right. I was surprised to see, and this again is a list on NFL.com by Nick Shook, who we'll talk to shortly. I was surprised to see Matt Ryan ranked second on the list right behind Josh. No more Julio Jones. He lost Calvin Ridley last year for more than half the season, and yet he was still one of the best deep ball passers in the league. That impressed me. The Colts might be better than people think this season. I think they will be. I think Matt Ryan's really going to help them. He can – he's a very accurate passer. This is the guy that got the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl – and in an MVP type of season, he was, he was on it. Yeah. And he's still got that level of knowledge and that level of experience and most of that physical abilities as well. So um, you give him the roster that the Colts have. The, the one thing that the, the Colts are struggling with right now, I think they're going to struggle with, I, in comparison to the other teams around the league, their wide receivers are not, not top shelf. Not top shelf. Yeah. He doesn't have who Cincinnati Bengals have. He doesn't have even who the Tennessee Titans have. He doesn't have who the Dolphins have. Right. So we'll see what he can do. But yeah. he's and he's so he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to earn his money to to make that list again. Well, his numbers last year with basically Kyle Pitts and a few guys in Atlanta, he can probably raise the level of at least a couple of those guys, which should help the Colts going forward. We switch gears to the receiving end of the equation here as we quiz Steve in the numbers game. Steve, we need you to name six of the top ten pass catchers in the AFC East from 2021 in the category of receiving average. So let's fire up the music and receiving average. What What was the receiving average of the receivers in the AFC East? Who had the highest receiving average? We remember in 1998 when Eric Moulds averaged 20 yards a catch. Okay, that's it. Yards per catch is the average. Okay. Receiving average. I'll say, well, I'll start start at home. Diggs? Diggs is 11th on the list, just outside the top 10. All right. In that case, uh, Gabe Davis. Gabriel Davis, number two in the AFC East last year, 15.7 per catch. I'll say uh, Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell is not on this list. Wow. Slot okay. guy. A lot of short stuff. Yeah, Again, okay. he's got Tua throwing to him. Let's not uh, forget that. Who else? Let's say... Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry not on this list. Didn't N- Nikhil, now, I will, say, I will say this. The qualifier was you had to have at least 20 receptions right. last year. Let's see, uh, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry not on this list, wow. sorry. I'm, I'm... So i got to mark this down, because you've already got Gabriel Davis. Right. You guessed Diggs, who was 11th, <clears throat> just outside the top 10. Oh, who was I going to say? Oh, the, the, the Patriots guys last year. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, tied for fourth. Yeah. And 14 a- and a half yards per What about Aguilar? 
Aguilar is seventh. 12.8. Okay. All right. All right. That got me. Up. That, there you go. That now you're, now you're cooking with gas. All right. Here we go. Uh, let's you say. You just need to get three more of the top ten, and you're good to go. Let's say. Uh, I'm going to say Isaiah McKenzie. Nope. No Isaiah McKenzie. Did he have 20? He did have 20. You wouldn't it's be wrong big. to keep guessing Bill's players Yeah, I'll say want. Beasley. Beasley not on the list, no. Um, what about, about Jamison Crowder? Uh, no, Jamison Crowder okay. not on the list for the Jets <sighs> last year. I thought you were going to give me one of those. Um, There's another Bills player from last year who was not on the roster this year who was third in receiving average in the AFC East he's not on the He's not on the roster this year? No. Old guy. Who, um... Who'd they get? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 Sanders. Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, number three. 14.9 yards of reception uh, as a 34-year-old. Well, I, I got to tell you, Emmanuel, Manny was off my radar right then. I was like, wow. <laughs> I, I can tell. That's why I, gave, that's why I gave you oh a hint. Oh, my God. All right, you only okay, need two okay, more, okay. and I will tell okay, you. Okay, okay. There three. are three New York Jets left, and there are... There's one Patriot left, and there's one Buffalo Bill left in the top 10 receiving average. So any receiving target. But you got to have 20 receptions. At least 20 receptions last year. Correct. So there are three Jets, one Patriot, one Bill. How about... Let's go Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, number eight on the list. A rookie last year, averaged 12.5 yards per reception out of the slot. Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios not on this list. He's a lot like Beasley. Yeah. He's a lot like Beasley. Short catches. Elijah Moore. Oh, I already said that. I yeah, you already said Elijah Moore. Uh, let's say Denzel Mims. Nope. Didn't play enough. I did say there is one Bills player left. I know, but I can't figure that out. <laughs> I'm looking at it because I'm looking at kind of the t- – not Marquez, not managing. Kumaro. He didn't have 20. Not Kumaro. Not Hodges. Gentry. I, think you might I be, said Gabe Davis. Might be gravitating to a single position. Maybe. I said Diggs. Yes, you did. Oh, she's talking about, oh, Dawson Knox? Dawson Knox. <laughs> Number Jeez, 10 on the so list wrong. at 12 yards. Dawson Knox. A reception. The other guys in the top 10. Number 9, Hunter Henry from New yeah, England. okay. Well, I, I was thinking 1. receivers, man. Devontae Parker, 12.9 for Miami last year. He's mm-hmm. in New England now. Right. Corey Davis of the Jets tied for fourth with Kendrick Bourne. 14 and a half yards of reception. Number one in the AFC East last year in receiving average from the New York Jets, Keelan Cole, 16 yards per reception. He was a free agent signee from Jacksonville last year. That is absolutely the numbers game. Right now, new customers at FanDuel can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner, of the Buffalo Bills. We turn now to our guest this week, the man who put together the write-up on the best deep ball passers in the NFL from 2021. NFL.com's Nick Shook joins us to discuss who the numbers gave us for a top 10 list. Here is Nick. So, Nick, let's begin here with respect to your write-up on NFL.com, next-gen stats, top 10 NFL deep passers of 2021. Josh Allen is at the top. Did you have any preconceived notions going in as to who you thought might be sitting at the top of this list. 
it's interesting because I've done these rankings in the past, but I've relied on some other metrics with next gen stats that we've had in the past that we've basically updated because as next gen has been introduced, it's kind of evolved from year to year. You get more of a a background in terms of data that you can rely on and compare from year to year. And the people in the next gen department are continually working on developing new metrics, using that learning, that machine learning, you know, that type of stuff um, to, to better figure out how we could quantify uh, player performance with the tracking data that we have. So they came out yeah. with passing score this year, and I was actually not aware of it when I first started these rankings. I had Josh in, I think it was top three or four, and he was really making a strong case for it. Um, and then I looked at the passing score once, once I found out it existed and read up on the background of that, and it was clear he was tied with Matt Ryan. But if you looked at their production, and, and if you know the two players, I obviously had to put Josh Allen at number one. So I was a little surprised to see him elevate to number one, but I mean, statistically, production-wise, and what you see on the tape, uh, it's really difficult to argue with it. And then if you dive into the numbers deeper, you start to realize that everything you see on the field really does shine through in the numbers uh, and what makes him you know, an effective quarterback and what has to excite Bills fans going forward. What, what I found interesting, too, was the way you explained where Patrick Mahomes ranked and how he kind of, from a deep ball, from a deep ball passer perspective, he kind of took a step back with a lot more short passing and yards after the catch type play from their offense. And some of us here in Buffalo are wondering if that's something that could manifest itself with Josh, if not this year, maybe next year. You know, he's got Jamison Crowder, who's a reliable short area target. James Cook is now here in the offensive backfield and figures to see a good amount of targets as a pass receiver. And that would lend itself to more short passes and more yards after the catch with those two guys in the lineup, um, what evidence were you given that kind of precipitated this approach by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense that led to his numbers that you saw here? Well, it's funny because last year he didn't even make the top 10, which I knew as soon as I was writing it that I'd have people coming after me on Twitter for it. So I took a moment to explain it. And the reason was is part of what I used to judge and, and kind of filter through these guys is completion percentage over expectation, because that measures the difficulty of a completion is a quarterback putting balls on receivers, you know, when they're under pressure, or when they're on the run that are difficult to complete, you know, the closer you are to the sideline, the lower your completion percentage um, of, ex- you know, it, the expectation is going to be whether you're running, whether you're scrambling, that sort of thing, if you're under pressure. Um, but Mahomes suffered last year because his guys were getting open all the time. And when they're wide open, it's more likely you're going to have a completion. So his completion percentage over expectation was not very high. And that's kind of what I used to separate between the two. Who are the guys who are exceeding expectation, really playing special football down the field when it comes to deep passing. So seeing that from last year, then to this year, when they shortened the offense, they went down the field less. So he had a lower volume, which ends up giving you a higher chance of a better completion percentage over expectation. Because if I throw a hundred passes and I, you know, complete a good amount of those, you know, the higher volume, you're going to have a less of a difference because you're just going to have more numbers. So you're going to have more expected completions. The difference is not going to be as extreme. So you're not going to show up there as much. So the volume kind of affected him a little bit, but you're right. It was less about, um, or it was more about the fact that his guys necessarily weren't getting open or as wide open as before. Their offense changed a little bit. They also went through those struggles through a good portion of the season. You saw it firsthand right, when they yeah. played Buffalo. 
And, um, and so that kind of contributed to all of that, but I was happy to see him back on the list. Cause you know, that's, that he is that guy He's a good downfield passer. And, and for the bills, you know, balance is good, right? If yeah. you are able to actually shorten your offense a little bit and be more effective underneath. And by the way, if you're able to run the ball better than they did last year, I think that makes you a more potent offense overall, because you can do a number of different things instead of just relying on the pass, because there were a lot of bills games last year. I'm sure you can attest to this where, they come out and shotgun and you knew there was no chance they were running the ball there just because that's the way their offense was last year. So you got a new offensive coordinator. You got uh, some new personnel in there that might make that offense look a little bit different. So maybe he doesn't show up at the top of this list, but that's yeah. okay because you could end up being a better offense overall. And Rogers, you know, is a guy that barely made this list. And I would argue he's probably the most accurate quarterback of his generation. And yet the thing that surprised me is his struggles on deep passes when he was under pressure because his uh, you had his passer rating at 56.6. I mean, that was a startling number for me to see next to Aaron Rodgers in any capacity, no matter how you're slicing it. Are we to believe that Rodgers needs solid protection to make plays downfield, or is that an oversimplification of what these analytic numbers are saying? No, I think that's fair because they missed David Bakhtiari last year, and that contributes to it, of course. Yeah. But I also think it's another uh, case of, of a lack of balance in that defenses when they took the field they were more worried about stopping Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers than they were about Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon or anybody else and they played pass first it kind of shows up in the numbers you kind of have to deduce that from what you see but if he's not completing a lot of passes downfield effectively he's not putting up the gaudy numbers that some of these other guys are you have to go look at the volume and say well maybe he's not attempting as many passes and the year before he attempted a ton of them so then you look at personnel and you think well where was Adams effective Adams tied for the league leader he might have led the league um just off the top of my head on touchdown passes, touchdown receptions on slants. And he was a master at, at you know, outbreaking uh, routes as well. So he did everything all over the field, but they weren't taking as many deep shots. And it's going to be really interesting now because you had the kid from North, North Dakota state, Christian Watson, who's a burner, who's going to take the top off the defense. You lose Adams. They got a whole cast of basically new faces at receiver. So they're going to have to kind of evolve their offense and, maybe they turn to the running game more and hopefully they get Bakhtiari healthy. You know, that's kind of the goal right now is that he gets back in train in time for training camp and he's strong and he's finally recovered from the injury that plagued him for the entire last season. And, uh, and maybe you see those numbers jump back up, but the year to year difference is sometimes, you know, the contrast is, is stark at times just because teams change the way they operate. Defenses change the way they defend them. And for a lot of last season, they knew the strength was Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. And if anything, let's keep it in front of us. And the last one that I have for you that really surprised me was, and you already mentioned him, Matt Ryan, right behind Josh at number two, not because I don't think he's a cap capable quarterback as a deep thrower, but because of the circumstances he was faced with. First of all, new head coach, you know, um, Julio Jones isn't there anymore, and then he loses Calvin Ridley midway through the season. I mean, it's basically Kyle Pitts and, you know, some role players, for lack of a better term, and yet there he is, you know, and he's still tied for the top passing score on deep passes in the entire league, uh, you know, based on your metrics. So I don't know. I, I was shocked. Were, were you surprised? I don't I couldn't believe it. Yeah, definitely. Whenever I do these rankings, I'm working on some other ones right now. Whenever I do these rankings, there's always a few surprises. The receiver rankings are going to have a few surprises at the top of that list as well. And the reason usually comes down to personnel and matchup, you know, kind of like how we just discussed with Rodgers. When you face the Falcons, and especially after they lost Calvin Ridley, you had nothing to fear downfield. And they also had this strange rushing attack where it was Mike Davis and it was Cordero Patterson, who was a receiver playing running yeah. back who could make an impact out of the backfield, but he was also a, a passing threat. 
So it was a little bit of unpredictability, but overall you didn't, you didn't fear anybody downfield as much. So what that does, it speaks to me, a defense that maybe shortened up, came closer up to the line of scrimmage and, and Ryan, you know, he operated almost exclusively out of the pocket. It was a lot of play action. It was a lot of building out of that. And that speaks to his ability to operate under pressure, his veteran savvy, um, and his still sharp skills. You know, we give him a bad rap because he's played for some bad Falcons teams in the last few years, but he's still a very good quarterback, even under pressure, even without the talent around him. And the fact that he was able to complete these passes downfield and exceed expectation, that was the big thing. He consistently exceeded expectation, completing the passes that, that were not expected to be completed. Um, it just speaks to how effective he is and why I think he's going to be a great fit. I mean, if you take that effectiveness out of the play action, operating out of the pocket, performing well under pressure, completing the, the passes that are not to be expected to be completed. And then you add that to Indianapolis's offense with Jonathan Taylor, a guy that you can rely on to run play action with all the time. You got uh, Pittman, uh, Paris Campbell, if he can come back and be healthy, he's a burner who could, you know, make an impact downfield. Suddenly you have a, a better situation for a quarterback who's already proven, at least with these metrics, that he can still sling it downfield. So I think it's, it should excite Colts fans. Maybe Falcons fans scratch their heads a little bit, but they have to look to the rest of the roster and realize that, this team just wasn't really that strong and they were overcoming a lot to even be competitive down the stretch. And surprisingly, a lot of that had to do with Matt Ryan, who I think is going to be in a good position in his new home. Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan's their fifth quarter, fifth starting quarterback in five years. He might be the best of that lot over those last five seasons. If these kind of numbers are going to continue, it's pretty impressive. So be interesting to see. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that the Colts are probably the the favorite in the AFC South because it looks like Tennessee's taking a little bit of a step back. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, they had some roster turnover. They kind of proved with the loss of Derrick Henry that maybe they were a little too reliant on him. They surprisingly won some games without him and up getting the top seed in the AFC and then can't make anything out of it in the, in the playoffs. Anytime your quarterback throws three interceptions in the playoffs, you have to start looking inward and saying, how can we get better? Drafting uh, the kid out of Liberty, Malik Willis, uh, I think is going to be an interesting wrinkle. I don't think that pays off immediately. But yeah, I do see them taking a step back. And the Colts, I mean, they've been all in the last few years. You know, they went and got right. Phillip Rivers and then they try to figure things out with Carson Wentz. Now it's Matt Ryan. I think you're right. This is their best chance to, to make a run at it. We'll see what happens. Nick, thanks for the time. As always, we appreciate you breaking down this uh, deep ball passing accuracy, especially Bills fans seeing Josh Allen at the top of the list is going to put a smile on their faces for sure. You've probably already seen some positive blowback on Twitter for uh, putting them at the top <laughs> top of your list (laughs) you know bills fans usually treat me pretty well titans fans not so much there's some other teams as well but i mean just looking at his numbers he's awesome outside the tackle box deep passes extended dropbacks that's everything you know and uh nothing about that should change if they bring more balance to their offense they should be even more potent and they should be very excited for this season all right nick listen thanks for the time we'll catch up with you later in the off season thanks for having me we move ahead now to our one burning question this week at otas two offensive players commented on rookie running back James Cook. Devin Singletary, who grew up with him in South Florida, called him a quick learner. And center Mitch Morse was even more effusive in his praise, saying, quote, The Rook is awesome. Mr. Cook, he's a stud, a quiet guy, but a ferocious competitor. All ball, which everyone appreciates, and I think he's going to be a great asset for our team, end quote. Steve, when veteran players speak like this about a rookie after such a short period of time on the field, how much does it validate the odds of being him being a key contributor sooner rather than later? Yeah, it validates. Yeah, it. I mean, that's ultimate validation, isn't it? Yeah, it's 
Um, the, I, I've, we've seen it happen other times, and, and unfortunately, some of the other instances you see it, you never get to see the guy because he gets hurt in training camp or something like. Yeah. You know. Um, but absolutely, um, those guys know what they're looking at as a player. Uh, you hear the guy it, because here's the thing about it: Mitch Morse is standing there, probably looking right across the huddle at James Cook, right, in, and yeah. and hearing him talk to him, and hearing the coaches coach him. You hear coaches talk to their players, you know, like an offensive line coach is stepping in the huddle. Cromer steps in the huddle, says something to both guards in the center, and da-da-da-da. The receivers are standing there listening to that, and vice versa. So you get a feel for how that guy interacts with his coach, and you get an idea of the intelligence of his feedback to that coach. Yeah. And then you watch the guy play, and you go in and watch film of the guy play while he's pra- you know practices. You you get pretty yeah. quick pretty quickly you get an idea of how good he's going to be yeah and that's why for me when a player says that about a young teammate it it makes my ears perk up because even if they watch it on the practice field like dang that's impressive maybe later they're like did I see that right they're going to go watch it a second time in the classroom when they review practice tape and then they're going to be like. Well, and some guys yeah some guys don't notice it until you get to film yeah they're going well, oh wow, damn look at, look at that you know kind of thing. Uh, you can't get around it. They know what they're looking at. Yeah. And uh, not for nothing. Cook's a different cat than the guys they got. Yeah. He's different than you Moss. Can He's see different it. than Singletary. Like, you don't, you don't even need a trained eye to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like comparing, it's like comparing Stefan Diggs to, I don't know. You know, some other guy, a college receiver. Right. It's it's like comparing, um, you know, a Barry Sanders to a Derrick Henry kind of thing. Right. They're completely different. Yeah. Um, and even though a guy like James Cook is comes in, all of a sudden you see him run in comparison, and he he looks different on film, the way he moves, acts, runs, cuts, behaves. And it grabs guys' attention because they haven't seen that on this team in what two years, three years. Yeah, it's a different cat, and they're going, "Hey, man, that look at I, that, guy. look at that guy. I <laughs> get him on the field. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It's, he's going to help us. Yeah, like that kind of. He thing. doesn't even have to know where he's supposed to go. <laughs> you know, like the offensive line doesn't have to know that he needs to take two steps to his right, yeah. pivot, and Just come get back to your and get spot. He all he does is look at the guy, and he's going. Well, I'll block for that guy. Yeah. You know? And I look, I understand, too. We're in the spring here. The pads haven't gone yeah, on yeah, yet, yeah. so we shouldn't get too excited. But it, you're right. But he played it's at a, the highest level of college football in the SEC and, and was productive. And then he's here for a short period of time, and he's got the eyeballs bulging on just about every guy on yeah. the offensive side of the ball. And let's, I'll, I'll be honest, too. As a, notoriously, not always, but usually offensive linemen – you know they have this exterior kind of gruff, kind of like we are. We're a group here of big guys, and you can. We'll talk to you when we have time for you, kind of thing. You know they have, they have a little bit of hierarchy there, right? Yeah. They're intelligent guys who communicate well and and feel like they're, like Steve Smith told us, you know, during the show this week. I mean, they're the smartest guy in the room. To turn an offensive lineman's head towards a guy. It something's jumping out about him. Yeah, that it's it is unusual. So it's kind of cool to see. Our closing figure comes courtesy of James Cook this week. In his last two seasons at the University of Georgia, Cook had 43 receptions for 509 yards 
and 10 receiving touchdowns. His receiving average of 11.9 yards per reception, Steve, would have ranked tied for fourth on the Bills list last season with Stephon Diggs. Chew on that one for a while. (laughs) That'll do it for this edition. Please subscribe. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll catch you next time, everybody.